Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, Cavaliers Central, and the 305 Culture Miami Heat podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Pod, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast brought to you by the Hoopheads Podcast Network. My name is Devin Zanskis, your host as always, and uh, today I'm going to be doing a solo pod uh, for the first time in a few weeks. Uh, hopefully, if you're listening to this, uh, we don't have any beef, so you're okay with listening to me uh, talk to myself, I suppose, or really talking to you guys, but right now it feels like I'm more so talking to myself. So, hope you're cool with that. Uh, we're going to get into uh, our big year in review. I'm going to focus mainly on, um, or rather focus less on uh, recent events. Obviously, if you've been listening to the podcast or uh, if you have access to games or the internet like everyone else in 2020 does for the most part, you know that our, our Milwaukee Bucks were eliminated by the Miami Heat in decisive fashion. Uh, we discussed that last week with Mark Schindler of SB Nation and Indy Cornrows. You can go and check that episode out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You know how to get there if you got to this podcast. Um, so yeah, you can see more analysis on my recent podcast on the latest happenings with the Bucks. But we're going to focus on the uh, year in its entirety. Um, but also, we have some big news that has come up um, this past week, but largely today. Uh, to the surprise of no one, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo joins LeBron and uh, Milwaukee um, Bucks former player and MVP Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, as only the third player to win multiple MVP trophies uh, by age 25. And I got that uh, fact there from Eric Bodner on Twitter. Um. And Giannis had some uh, was posed a question by uh, another Milwaukee's own uh, Ernie Johnson of TNT. Of course, Ernie had to ask Giannis about his future, since that is what's on every every NBA fan's mind right now. Um, considering our disappointing loss in this year's playoffs. Um, so when Giannis is asked about his future, he has to say, as long as everyone's on the same page and as long as everyone's fighting for the same thing, fighting for that same thing every single day, which is to be a champion, I don't see why not to be in Milwaukee for the next 15 years, which that sounds great. 
especially you hear that that last part about him being in Milwaukee for the next 15 years. But um, to me, trying not to get ahead of myself and be too hopeful, uh, especially considering the recent disappointing uh, loss to the Heat, I kind of read into it perhaps a little too much there when he's saying he he says as long as long as long it's kind of like he's throwing in those caveats where you could maybe say maybe he is skeptical about whether or not the bucks are on the same page about doing everything they can every single day to be a champion and um We'll get into uh, the three-hour lunch that he had earlier in the week in a second, but I also wanted to point out something that another Bucks analyst, uh, Matt Velasquez, a great Twitter follow, I forget exactly uh, where he's contributing, but it's somewhere notable in in Milwaukee or about the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, He notes that last summer, Giannis said not to call him the MVP until he won the award again. And now that he has won it again, he has a different message. That message is, don't call me MVP until I'm a champion. So again, Giannis reinforces there uh, what his ultimate goal is and hopefully what the Bucks' goal is too. But it's now our duty, I say ours as in the Bucks organization and mainly the front office to prove to him that we want it just as much as he does. I briefly mentioned earlier that Giannis had that three-hour lunch with Bucks co-owner and uh, slash governor uh, Mark Lazary on the season. Uh, the three-hour lunch was about see how they can improve the roster, uh, confirming the willingness to spend into the luxury tax, and agreement that they will talk again after Giannis returns from vacation. It looks like Giannis is vacationing in Greece in um, what maybe is more of home to him, although Milwaukee has been more of his home of late. Obviously, uh, I saw that because when I was seeing the interview with him and Ernie, uh, it looked like looked like it was probably actually nighttime in Greece for him, but they had a little label there that he was in Athens on vacation um i guess uh, some other little tidbits here there was uh, some other uh speculation although it's really silly i even pausing to mention but i had it here from earlier in the week that Giannis had unfollowed everyone on twitter excluding his immediate family and kobe bryant and it really first the news was coming out it was kind of funny they were saying oh my gosh Jonathan followed all of his teammates he's gone but then you look and it's like oh he has six followers and these are these are uh who's left but um to that point of that silly perspective that he solely unfollowed his teammates um he I looked, I was able to see, there was a little glitch in Twitter. I could actually go onto his profile and for, I don't know. I was able to see when he did have more than six followers. And um, 
even though I had heard the news obviously before and he wasn't following a ton of people and obviously a lot of them were uh, either current or past teammates. So yeah, you can definitely tell that this series loss is certainly taking a toll uh, not only on us fans, but on Giannis and all the other players, of course. But yeah, that's that's enough talk and speculation on Twitter followers. Uh, some more positive news and less speculation on Giannis's future uh, was that Giannis was selected as, um, well, I already mentioned that he was the MVP, so obviously he was selected to the All-NBA First Team. Him and LeBron were the only two to be unanimous selections, which makes sense because I had mentioned on one of my first podcasts that it was really a two-man race there between Giannis and LeBron. Um, And then... They were joined by Luka Doncic, James Harden, and Anthony Davis. I'm going to pull up here, if you'll give me two seconds, listeners, of the voting breakdown. But um, the bigger news, perhaps, was that Chris Middleton was left off of the All-NBA third team, which many thought he would have a chance of making... Um, against the likes of Pascal Siakam and against, excuse me, uh, Jason Tatum. Siakam actually made the second team, and Tatum was joined by Jimmy Butler on the third team for those forward spots. Uh, and then uh, that other forward spot with Kawhi, or with Pascal was Kawhi, so... No one thought Chris would make it over Kawhi. However, uh, those other three names, um, especially Jimmy Butler, despite what we had seen in the playoffs, these are all regular season awards. And especially if, if you look at the numbers and I guess just more so the narrative for what I called during this season, um, I would have thought that Chris would have the edge over Jimmy, but uh, I guess the voters didn't think so. Um, Chris actually ended up with the most voice uh, votes out of anybody who was excluded from any of the All-NBA teams. He had, um, I believe he had 82 votes and while Joel Embiid had 79, so he even beat out Joel Embiid. And he also had more votes than uh, Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons, who were on the third team. And, the well, obviously, if you don't know, the reason that he still didn't make it was because the All-NBA teams are broken down by positions uh, there are two guards, two forwards, and a center position on each of the three All-NBA teams. Um, so, I Bucks fans, I would assume, are very much uh, joining the bandwagon for adjusting the All-NBA teams to 
the uh, three forward and two guard lineup versus having that center spot. The all-star teams made that switch recently. And I mean, based on that breakdown, you'd think that he would have had more votes than uh, Rudy Gobert was the third team center. From what I recall, I actually couldn't find the screenshot that I took of the voting, but uh, I digress. So disappointing there that Chris didn't, didn't make the third team, but heck, it's been so long since the regular season. It's kind of, it's hard to even put myself in that place and kind of analyzing um, the narrative. Hopefully it's not based off of narrative. I keep saying that that's what it's based off of, but um, yeah, you'd think Chris having, having a, uh, 21, 22 points per game on near just decimal points away from a 50, 40, 90 season would um, would maybe bear out a little uh, better for, in his case. For the third team, but yeah, a lot, a lot has happened since, I guess, is all I'm all I'm getting at. So those are the main news items. As long as I'm not missing anything, doesn't look like I am. So now we'll go into this season in review. I'm going to go chronologically, which will start us with the season opener against the Houston Rockets, um, which was a, which was an exciting matchup, of course, because the main MVP. Uh, debates last year were between James and Giannis, and the two have definitely had kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They've definitely had taken some light shots at each other in the media. And then, of course, we do, we do remember, I think about, I would say at least every, maybe not every week. Perhaps every week I think about about that that slingshot pass that that Giannis was attempting to throw at a teammate, but then just chucked the face of James Harden. Uh, that must have been last year, but um, yeah, perhaps that was the genesis of it. But they've also been up against each other in the MVP debates, which has spawned comments against each other and Giannis even even said that that he wouldn't pick James Harden on his all-star team because because uh, James Harden doesn't play defense anyhow that game um, we were down um, for most of the game actually until the last nine minutes but ended up winning uh, 117 to 111 and James Harden, a former MVP himself, was actually held to only 19 points, uh, 7 rebounds, and 14 assists. Still an impressive stat line, but you can see the scoring there isn't what we'd expect out of the beard. He shot only uh, 2 of 13 from the field, 1 of 8 from the 3-point line, but uh, he made all 14 of his 14 free throw attempts. So, uh, pretty crazy. Uh, then I will lead us into some early blown leads. 
I know we're still a little fragile, Bucks fans, as as you can definitely hear it from me on the other side of this microphone. Uh, we blew a few early leads. Uh, one, as I as I say that, the first one was to Miami. We were up twenty one early in the third. Um, but then we trailed for uh pretty much all of the last six and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, and that game actually went into overtime after uh, Giannis was able to to tip in a layup and force OT, but then uh, we were outscored 10-5 to 5 in that overtime. Uh, the second early blown lead, or yeah, early season blown lead was against the Boston Celtics. I remember being particularly super frustrated about this game. I guess who's to say if it was really any worse than than others, but I just happened to remember where I was. I was I was uh my uh, upstairs neighbor's uh living room. You know, it's still early in the season, so we're all we're all super jazzed about uh the Bucks chances. Um you know, it was it was a disappointing Eastern Conference Finals last year after losing uh, the last four games straight, but it wasn't the depre- it wasn't the disappointing season that we had this year. We still because before we hadn't even won, of course, a, a series in the playoffs since two thousand one. So yeah, no, I disappointing ending to the season, but was it a disappointing season? Eh, maybe not. I I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. Depends how you look at it. Um, but yeah, I just remember being particularly uh, disappointed in this game just because I know I watched the whole thing live and and it hurts that much more when you're when you're keeping up with it minute by minute. The Bucks were up this and the entire game game until a minute left in the third quarter. And then they were down for the entire fourth quarter and ended up losing by 11. The uh, last early season blown lead um, that I will mention here that hopefully you listeners will be able to get through with me was where the Bucks were down by um, excuse me. Yeah, the Bucks were down by 22 just before um halftime so not a blown lead at this point um but then we we ended up climbing climbing back into this game and had our first lead with six minutes left in in a regulation and then went on an 8-0 run to close it out but then that was that that Bojan Bogdanovich buzz buzzer beater that uh Oh, that yeah, really. Um, I'm I'm losing the analogy that I was going for, but yeah, I guess uh, stifled our comeback there at the end. But at least you could say we crawled back from a 22 point deficit, and you know, just lost at the buzzer. That always hurts, but at least it was a close game. Uh, unlike some others we've we've witnessed in. Um, not as much in recent history, but certainly the 
longer you've been a Bucks fan, uh, you've you've definitely experienced it, as you would if you were a fan of any NBA team. Anyways, enough of uh, the loss talk, because uh, then we'll get into our 18-game win streak that we had following that Utah loss at the buzzer. Um, we uh, With that win streak, we tied for the 11th uh, longest win streak in NBA history. Um, we are tied with the 51 Rochester Royals, the 67 uh, Sixers with uh, Wilt, Billy Cunningham, and Hal Greer, the 70 Knicks, 1970 Knicks, who, of course, would win the title the year before the Bucks, with just a ton of Hall of Famers there. That was when uh, Willis Reed would, would come back after after being severely injured in the NBA Finals. Uh, the 1982 Celtics also had an 18-game win streak, and the 96 Bulls. Um, of those teams, I had mentioned the Knicks, but also the Royals, the Sixers, and obviously the Bulls had won uh, championships in that year. And um, the 82 Celtics and, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks this year did not. Um, but just in looking at, at the chart there, it's it's not like we had won. We, had, we didn't have the highest win streak to... Um, to not win the finals, so no sad stat to throw at you there. Although I, I'm going to list off the teams that we played in the stretch, and um, you know it was the teams we played that uh, they had a 45 percent winning percentage, which low 500, obviously, but not not the worst. But you'll see we played some the teams we played twice were some of the worst teams that we would play in the stretch. Um, so yeah, we we would play Chicago, Atlanta, Detroit, Cleveland, and yeah, those were the teams that we played twice. Uh, yeah, so none of those, yeah, those were all Eastern Conference teams that did not make the playoffs, so not good competition there. However, we also beat the Thunder, the Pacers, the Blazers, Utah. Uh, we would redeem ourselves. Uh, then some other um, underwhelming teams in the Eastern Conference, like Charlotte Hornets, New York Knicks, and then, and then we had that huge win against the Clippers. I, w- I remember I was there with my boy, uh, my boy Bradley Bradley B Rabbit. I'm sure he will be on. I I know he will be on the podcast at some point for you guys to hear from him. I'm not gonna go into huge introduction for him because i'm fairly confident he'll be on the pod at some point my boy has season tickets so he yeah he's the he's the reason i've i've was able to experience awesome games like this the bucks won 119 to 91 against the la clippers uh whom were also uh major title contenders up there with the Bucks and the Lakers, uh, of course. <laughs> wow, yeah. Speaking of news that I hadn't mentioned before, the Clippers themselves had a pretty bad collapse. Now they did. We have we have to mention before that that seven game seven collapse that 
that they did at least make it to seven games versus versus the Bucks. However, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard combined for um I believe Paul George did shoot like twenty five percent from the field on plenty of shots and Kawhi was also right around thirty percent. So the two of them did not shoot well. I think combined they did not break thirty percent. I could be wrong there, but they shot horribly in the fourth quarter. And yeah, the Nuggets took it home, but then the Nuggets are now down one zero against the Lakers. So yeah, sorry Clippers, but thank you for making me feel a little better about this buck season. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. We had that 18-game win streak there to go back to that. Um, We would eventually lose to the Mavericks there in the middle of December. Um, But yeah, all good all good things must come to an end, you know. It happens, but after that, we were on a 70-game wins. Uh, we were on pace to win uh, 70 games. In fact, um, after after that win streak, I went through all of the games like I did throughout the entire season. I'm sure I'm not alone where I would where I would go and I'd, I'd, if, especially if we had a loss, I'd, I'd be like, okay, like I'd tally in the amount of wins and then total games, do a little division, multiply by 82 games, oh, over 70, keep track of our, our win pace there. After our win streak, we were, we were only below the 70 win pace after our January 6th loss to the Spurs, a March 6th loss uh, to a team that escapes me, but it's besides the point. And then, uh, of course, those last three games that we lost, first went to the Lakers, and then the other two um, where Giannis was hurt, we lost to the Suns and the Nuggets there without Giannis, but yeah, that just goes to show how for how much of this season there we had that 71 pace and that's really what will make this regular season unforgettable and um although I'm catching myself a lot here still uh harping on on the playoffs, we definitely should remember this season um well, certainly the regular season as uh, as a highlight in our Bucks history cuz how how often do you win um what 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 would have been like what like 65 games in a normal year uh, yeah don't quote me on that i haven't quite done that calculation i'll get back to you on that um on our next podcast perhaps um 
an interest of being fair, as I always try to do on this podcast, to all other fans besides Bucks fans. I I I aim to have my my Bucks listeners to be mature NBA fans and be fair to all sides. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, that the hugely disappointing loss to the Philadelphia 76ers on Christmas Day. Excuse me, this is another big one that I surely remember where I was for. I was essentially in the same room where I am now in my bar- in my parents' basement watching it. For some reason, I was alone in my basement, although it was Christmas. <laughs> but I think I think it was a noon game. So now I'm I'm betting the family didn't show up until a little later, and I was just trying to stay out of my parents' way as they were uh, doing a little tidying up for the guests to arrive. Um, but yeah, I was sitting here alone in my basement, and uh, we trailed for uh the entire game literally after. Eight minutes into the first quarter, Giannis only had 18 points. He was 8 of 27 and 0 of 7 from the three-point line. Um, and then, yeah, looking, I was looking back at the box score, and really, Giannis there was really the only majorly disappointing player of out of that game. Uh, I don't, I didn't write down the entire box score, but. Pretty much everyone else shot regular uh, season averages that I would expect for them from the field. Um, anyone who, who took a material amount of shots for the team. But Philly really just had an, an incredibly hot shooting night. Uh, definitely unprecedented for, for their cast. They shot uh, 47.7% from three on um excuse me it was it was on 44 attempts and i i don't want to misinform but i know they either had a tie for a franchise record makes or attempts in a game there so yeah really disappointing for the bucks but yeah really besides Giannis having a disappointing one it was really just just Philly taking home the win. They even had a 29-point lead early in the fourth. Um, yeah, but just another one similar to that early Boston one that really sticks out to me personally as a fan. And I recall it because it was another it was another holiday game, big game against the Sixers. This one on Christmas where I was I was upset watching it alone in my basement, but it parallels to the Giannis calling Ben Simmons an effing baby game last uh, Easter of last year because um, I, I remember I remember shouting expletives throughout throughout that game at this point I had been with my family for the holiday and and uh, be, being told that being told to ease up on a bit there especially now that we have a uh, we have, we have kiddos uh, with my brother, uh, shout out F- Fisher and Elsie, of course, at this point in the podcast. But yeah, that's probably why I was alone in my basement because um, 
If not just to get out of my parents' way for cleaning, if there was anyone else in the house, I probably uh, would have seemed a little intense there. All right, moving on from there and to another huge theme that that will always stick out to me when I think about this 1920 campaign. It will always be this team's historic defense. Uh, I pulled a couple articles from later in the regular season. Excuse me. Um, where um, looking at an article from the ringer Zach Cram uh, titled, Do the Bucks Have the Best Defense in NBA History? Well, from a stat in that article, they had the fourth best uh, adjusted um, league adjusted defense since uh, since 1974, and that was only behind the 2004 Spurs, the 2008 Celtics, and the 93 Knicks. And they also had a there was a 3.3 points per possession difference between them and the second best. Uh, defense Toronto Raptors, and that was uh, that was the second best differential uh, for for um, league this uh, league adjusted uh, defense, um, the second best behind that uh, ninety three Knicks team. The Bucks allowed the uh, lowest percentage of shots shots at the rim and. Uh, the lowest field goal field goal percentage under the basket uh, since the 2007 Rockets with Yao Ming and Dikembe Mutombo, which is just wild to think about that those two were were on the same team. Obviously, late in Dikembe's uh, career, and Yao unfortunately didn't have that long of of a tenure himself. But yeah, wild that those two those two. <laughs> Goliaths could have been on on probably not on the floor at the same time. Although it was a although it was a different era, I wouldn't expect them on the floor at the same time. But the fact that you could field them on a roster and just always have one of them protecting the paint, I could see why they post posted uh, also posted uh, incredible historic defensive stats. Um, at this point, uh, when this article was written uh, around. Uh, February 24th, the Bucks were also on pace for the best rebounding season in NBA history uh, when Giannis was leading the league in defensive rebounds. Uh, they also made note on this article that sort of similar to how now uh, players are, are beating scoring records for the first X amount of years in a season, you'll see often or they're breaking uh, three-point shooting records. This is also a stat that that is kind of... Maybe, maybe it's not... It might not be broken every year. It, it very well could be based on what I'm about to share, but it's something... It's there's Defensive rebounding has been um, trending upwards in the past five or so years. I say that because Zach Cram noted that uh, the... 49 of the 50 top defensive rebound rebounding um, seasons uh, occurred from 
teams uh, since the 1415 campaign. Uh, another, another article that I looked at when reviewing our, our team's historic defense was uh, one by 538's Chris Herring, um, titled the uh, Few Teams Have Ever Defended Like These Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, he he shared he shared a, a similar stat to that of Zach Cram, um, just posed a little differently. Um, essentially, so it was sharing how how both the Bucks had um, they had an eight point two uh, deep their defensive rating was uh, eight point two points per a hundred percent. Per 100 possessions better than league average, which is the fourth best, as I had mentioned, since 74. But it's the eighth best if we go all the way back to 1950. And those other four teams that it, that are added in there, when you, uh, when you kind of uh, look a little deeper at the numbers, they're all Celtics teams from 62 to 65. So... Yeah, when you when you bring it back out there, it doesn't sound any less impressive for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the Bucks, uh, the Bucks held their opponents. We had we had mentioned earlier um, the league l- l- lowest uh, percentage of lowest field goal percentage of the basket, and it was detailed in this article that that was in fact. Um, the time of the article, it was slightly below sixty percent, but then I I took a look at at what it has been since, and it was still a league best, it, but it was at sixty point one percent. Believe the uh, number two best interior uh, defensive team in the league was at about sixty one point eight, and the rest of the teams were pretty close together there. Uh, in succession, but yeah, so that that one point seven difference there between the Bucks and that second that second best team was actually bigger than uh, a disparity you would see between other teams, I suppose. But um, also, uh, the Bucks had uh, the league best uh, seventy seven and a half. Um, defensive rebounding percentage but they also had uh the best overall uh rebounding percentage as well and this is also taking into account these past two stats that i have mentioned are taking into account uh the regular season also being the play-in games um and then we also just would like to make mention uh a long, long time ago, we also had uh, another all-star nod for both Chris and Giannis. Giannis was was the captain again of his own team. Um, he was also the captain last year, and if I remember correctly, LeBron was also the captain last year and this year. Uh, but it's less of my job to know that about LeBron. I know that this is the second consecutive season where Giannis was the all-star captain, and he has selected Chris for his second straight all-star appearance and second overall. And then, yeah, after that, we, of course, remember when COVID hit uh, that game uh 
believe it was in Oklahoma City, and it was against the Utah Jazz when Rudy Gobert was the first player discovered to have uh, had gotten a COVID-19 and of course there was all the controversy with uh, his buffoonery with messing with the mic and the scuttlebutt with uh, tension between him and Donovan Mitchell but they of course fought really hard this this postseason Um, yeah just to throw it back to those times where um, now after that of course Everyone, not only NBA players, but all of us are are largely at home. Um, and then there were rumors of Giannis not having a hoop, a basketball hoop of his own at his house. And then players were saying, oh, I haven't touched a bas- basketball in X amount of time. But as restrictions sort of loosened, we we obviously came to learn that that uh, and Giannis even poked fun that well of course I had access to a gym but he couldn't come out and say that he did because rules were stricter uh, times were um, maybe, maybe not much different but definitely more uncertain at the time and unfortunately uh, restrictions or yeah concerns maybe were taken a little uh, more seriously back then of course, then at that point, we have our bubble and the play-in games where we, where we went uh, disappointing 3-7, but you know, I like to think I'm a pretty even-keeled guy. I don't, I don't freak out to losses, so I really didn't think too much of those play-in games, especially because what if we... I don't remember exactly the order of our wins and losses, but... Um, by the time we, we at least got that third win, uh, we we as Bucks fans had already locked up the number one seed, and um, well, it wouldn't have even mattered if the Lakers had caught up to us. Besides bragging rights, because obviously the the Bucks would not have home court advantage that they had fought so hard for throughout the season. So it was really just a matter of whom they would be facing. Um, and uh, ironically, in my mind, I probably would have wanted to wanted it to play out the way it did. I was listening to an old podcast and they were talking about how, how maybe the Bucks should have wanted to play uh, the, wanted to play the Nets. So they, sh- they should have tried harder to, to beat them where instead I believe they lost to, they lost to a Nets team, but and then, of course, we had that disappointing game one and concerning loss against the Magic. We were able to beat them there, but of course, in another in the five-game series, we did lose to the Heat. Um, and yeah, another five-game series that played out the exact opposite way than we would have liked. But I guess the point I was getting at was was me at least. I, I probably would have wanted that Heat matchup. I mean, the Celtics and Raptors, I thought, had the talent advantage, um, but they definitely have proven that that I, certainly I have underestimated their their playoff talent and their playoff depth and and their and and their willingness to to do whatever it takes to. 
to win at this point on a Friday, September 19th, the Heat are actually up 2-0 on the Celtics. And there were, there were all these rumors about big fights in the locker rooms. There's this huge news item. Then it was downplayed by Kemba and um, Cantor. But uh, <laughs> but it, it did come out that Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown did have to get separated. But you can hear about that on other podcasts. I don't want to go into more series without also just uh, mentioning the strike that that the Milwaukee Bucks took um, to stand up against, uh, against the attempted murder of Jacob Blake where uh, there was there was a lot of well there was a lot of confusion, but also concern later on as there were talks between uh, teams and players about whether or not they would continue on with this season. And yeah, there were there were players concerned about about why the Bucks wouldn't have spoken with the Players Association before, but I think it did really stand out how they how they were able to kind of have that surprise, that element of surprise in there to really grab everyone's attention to uh, matters that are more important. And yeah, of course, get on the phone with um, with those two uh, major Wisconsin officials that they were able to get on the phone with and uh, keep conversations going, because if we're honest with each other, uh, conversations of social injustice and standing up against racism really did kind of get pushed to the wayside for some uh, since in the beginning of summer when we did have those protests um, for George Floyd and and you know people were you did hear people coming out coming uh, out of the cracks somehow defending um, uh, um, why a cop would would be able to shoot a man seven times and and walk free <laughs> and then of course the the young man who who would also be defended although he he was of course nothing more than than a than a domestic terrorist and who who would kill two people in Kenosha near us in Wisconsin and and injure another? Um, so yeah, that from there was that's essentially our season. Because I've mentioned this heat series at nauseum, we don't need to run through that anymore. Um. I guess one more item that I would like to get into is so now the NBA has pushed back the NBA draft uh, another four weeks, which is which is great because now that we're in the off season, we can uh, we can kind of focus on other things that will affect the outlook of our team long term and. Uh, those of you who may be like me, 
and uh, sort of armchair GMs. Um, certainly, my fatal flaw may be the amount of the amount of time that that I waste away doing random simulations with uh, with any with any situation imaginable that could occur in the NBA, um, whether uh, totally unlikely and never happening or. I don't know. Basically, I'm just saying I play 2K too much. And uh, looking at the draft is a way where I can play armchair GM. So um, the draft being moved, we have about nine weeks. So I should have about nine episodes, including this one, to analyze some talent that could be uh, drafted around the Bucks slot at the number uh, 24 slot. I'm almost blanking now uh feel free to uh get at me on social media or in or in my email if i'm for if i'm forgetting this or understanding it incorrectly but the bucks are picking they're using the indiana pacers selection from the malcolm brogdon trade which early in the earlier in the year or throughout most of the year it was slotted in for um I had always imagined it would be late in the teens, like maybe at the 19 slot, little five, little five uh, slot bump there. But uh, Indiana actually had a stellar season, as you'll recall from a couple episodes ago with JJ. I thought, um, I mean, clear. I <laughs> to to give myself some credit for giving the Heat some semblance of of credit compared to what they've proven. Uh, over the playoffs, I thought that the Pacers were the five seed versus the Heat were actually the five seed. Um, but yeah, the 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 Pacers were the, were the four seed in the East, and they actually had records better than than that of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Jazz, who of course have um, uh, forced uh, seven games in the tougher Western Conference playoffs so yeah the Pacers were doing us no favors in terms of draft position um, in our selections nevertheless um, really excited to do my first draft analysis here uh, today I will be um, going over just what I've looked into on Trey Jones um, I'll just go through some strengths and weaknesses that I've heard about him um before i get into it i'm uh full of caveats today i feel like but i'm mainly of course a bucks fan first and then but also mainly an nba dork and that's what i focus my energy on watching those games and i will not claim to watch every single duke game or every single huge college game and I don't go back and I don't watch full full game film on every on all these nine players that I'm gonna go through I'm just gonna gonna go to uh, outlets online that I trust and just kind of give you guys a brief brief synopsis on all all these players so just doing one today that'll be Trey Jones um, he was um, he was a top 10 rank in the 20. Uh, 18 class coming out of high school 
Which, yeah, would have, yeah, because he's only a sophomore this year, if I remember correctly. Again, get at me in those com in <laughs> comments. This isn't YouTube. Uh, come at me in the DMs on Instagram or Twitter if I'm wrong or uh, go into my email. But, yeah, he was a freshman last year as well with uh, Zion, RJ, and Cam on Duke, if I remember correctly. Strengths of his are uh, that he is a... Uh, He's an incredible floor general and decision maker. Uh, he has low turnovers, and he has increased his three-point percentage by nearly 10%. He went from about a 20, 26% three-point shooter to a 36% uh, three-point shooter. So that mainly just speaks to how bad he shot last year. So yeah, a 10% increase is a 10% increase, but... I'm not saying. I'm also not saying that he is a knockdown sh shooter. He's no uh, Duncan Robinson. We saw in the last series, although he did shoot forty percent on catch and shoot threes, which uh, he he would get plenty of those opportunities if he would be on the Bucks. He is also uh, in a YouTube video I was watching. Uh, I believe the channel was Draft Intellect or something. It's pretty common if you. If you want to look at uh, do your own analysis on it, at least this similar analysis that I've done, you can probably find it. But they said he may be at his best uh, in transition offense, which is great for a team like the Bucks, who has who um, runs a really fast pace compared to other teams in the in the league. Um, he's he's uh, quick to throw any deep passes or lobs, so maybe he could. He could uh, be tossing those up to uh, Giannis or uh, Brooke on the break. I say that's funny because, of course, uh, I mean, to Brooke's credit, he's probably more mobile than he looks, but uh, he probably isn't getting a ton of lobs in transition. He's uh, He has elite anticipation, and, um, and meaning that he uh, is great at jumping passing lanes. Um, and he also moves very well laterally. They said in the comments on this YouTube that it's clear clear that he watches film. Um, he's also a high IQ on-ball perimeter defender, especially against uh, quicker, shorter uh, guards. He excels compared to his, his peers uh, at uh, recovering uh, against like drivers for example or yeah if he's just maybe doesn't find himself in the best position I suppose he's better than others at recovering um, from those positions he is a really good really solid ball denial which we uh, did note earlier uh, if not in the heat series then well yeah it would have to have been it was in the playoffs where if I recall uh, Jeff one of the Van Gundy's brothers were were uh, commenting on the Bucks' uh, stellar ball denial, so he would fit right in there as as a guard off the bench for us. And and they also mentioned how he can he can pick up uh, most mostly any uh, ball handler full court. If although that isn't often the case in the NBA, he could do that. He's uh, very he's very disciplined. He doesn't gamble a lot. Doesn't make silly mistakes on uh, either end of the floor. And they also mentioned he may he arguably uh, 
could be the best defensive guard or at least point guard in this class. And yeah, I believe he was also the ACC defensive player of the year, if I recall correctly, from the Game Theory podcast with uh, Sam Fennessy. So yeah, he would be he'd be a good fit for us. It's definitely on the defensive end and would be able to contribute offensively in some regard. But now we're going to get into some of Trey's weaknesses. He is a streaky shooter, which is a nice way of saying that uh, he can be a bit inconsistent. Um, I believe there's one comment that stood out to me where they were saying how uh, Trey is slow to realize when it's not his night or something like that. But yeah, so streaky shooter we had mentioned how he had gone from 26 percent three-point shooter to 36 which is impressive in itself but kind of shows that he's he's not always the knockdown shooter that some of uh this year's numbers may suggest he has he has a low release and that release is also uh, a little bit inconsistent um Says he need, they say he needs to improve his balance and fluidity in his shot. And specifically, they're saying, he, um, I can't act out the motion clearly because this is a GD podcast. But uh, when he rises up, he very often will plant his left foot before his right, which I did, I did notice once it was pointed out to me, um, which just seems odd. I, I'm no shooting coach by any means i could certainly use one that's for that's for darn sure but but yeah certainly that doesn't speak well to the balance and fluidity that we had mentioned earlier his pick and roll game also has room for improvement they say he could add uh, a little bit more variability to his passing um Maybe throwing more more uh, one headed pass passes or or wrap arounds they had suggested, um, but yeah, not the best in the pick and roll. Which you could view it in some ways. We know that the that the Bucks runs uh, one of the fewest. Um, yeah, they're they don't run a ton of pick and roll. Is all I'm trying to say. So. Maybe that's because of their personnel, like Eric Bledsoe being at best, like probably a middle of the pack pick and roll uh, point guard in terms of starting uh, point guards. Right around middle of the pack. Don't want to say at best. Let's let's give the guy a little credit. He's taken enough heat lately. Um, but yeah, that's also that's part of the um, lack of variability in the passing, lack of creativity with the passing, uh, but also he's not necessarily one to create his own shot or to get past uh, a better defender um, off the dribble. Um, and that last point there is kind of what really stood out to me as something where, um, I mean, certainly the biggest downfall, especially in regard to the Bucks, we were watching in, in uh, these playoffs where they could have really used another creator. Uh, but... I mean, regardless, even if we do 
uh, keep this pick, which we very well may not. Um, whoever we pick, we we would be we'd be really lucky to have them in our rotation right away as a as a late first round pick. Maybe not like exceedingly, but it's it's a win if they're in a, in our rotation, regardless. Especially in the playoffs, I would say if they if they're in the playoffs. If they're in our playoff rotation, hopefully it's an eight-man ro- rotation. If Bud has had any had a little more sense uh, knocked into him, then it would be like a huge win, and and maybe we would be maybe we'd be revisiting this a year from now, saying that this player would be um, would be a steal of the draft. But that's not necessarily what we would expect here. So. Trey would would fit in would fit in well mainly on the defensive end especially as a backup point guard um say we were uh to move uh some uh Eric Bledsoe or have to or have to move a George Hill for salary of filler later on in a, in a trade that I'm not I'm working on not thinking about too much or overly obsessing over you may know what I'm talking about, but in the event that we have to move those guys for uh, 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 that sexy kind of trade or a little less sexy kind of trade, he he could he could certainly be a good backup point guard, I would say. But I I, I would like to fill more more of a shot creation need that I feel that we have. Um, and then I guess one other big thing to point out about uh, Trey Jones would be his uh, slight lack of size. I mean, he's uh, 6'2", 6'3", 185 pounds, 6'4", wingspan. It's not a, not a terrible size, um, but definitely uh, could be better. And uh, it, it doesn't necessarily... Um, he can... They they still say from the scouting reports that I've the few scouting reports that I've read that he can defend ones and twos consistently, but some of the taller twos uh, do give do give Trey a bit of trouble. All right, um, before I wrap this up here, I wanted to mention again that okay, folks, we're now in uh kind of some off-season content so i'd really appreciate if you could send me uh some mailbag questions i know i've mentioned it on the pods before but i i also will aim to do a little bit better on social media advertising it myself i'll probably throw it out at least on at least on instagram why not twitter too but yeah look out to it on both of those accounts uh those are those accounts are uh, Twitter and Instagram are the same. Nuck if you buck NBA. Only difference between uh, uh, how it's written and how it sounds is that the U is just the letter U. You may also mailbag me uh, any mailbag questions to my podcast email, which is nuck if you buck the pot at gmail.com, uh, just as it sounds for the email. Um. The last little little bit of news I would like to get into, um, kind of our our bigger than basketball uh, segment of the pod. Um, 
pointing out the news bigger than that of Giannis being uh, a back-to-back MVP, but even bigger news is that we lost a true icon today, and that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. Yeah, RBG, we all... (laughs) We, we all know the impact that she's had, um, especially on women's rights, but just uh, uh, equal rights for all. Um, I would specifically like to point out a few things here. Uh, I'll begin with, with reading this article. Let's see, it's a quote. Uh, there was not a single firm in, my, in the entire city of New York that would offer me a job, Ruth Bader Ginsburg recalled. Um, she said she had three strikes against her. She was Jewish. She was a woman, perhaps the ultimate deal breaker. She was a mother. Keep in mind, this is probably back in the 50s. Um, she says, legal employers were afraid that I would be staying home more often than showing up for work, she said. And of course, she proved them wrong. Building an impressive career as a law professor and founding and being the founding director of the Women's Rights Project with the ACLU, and of course uh, being a federal judge. Um, her her work in the women's with the Women's Rights Project in the nineteen seventies had a, a far reaching had a far reaching impact. She argued uh, six landmark cases on gender equality before the U.S. Supreme Court, winning five of them. Uh, to uh, eliminate legal barriers that held women back um, in the workplace and civic life. Uh, She strategically advanced those cases and would establish precedents for treating men and women equally under under the law in such areas as jury duty requirements, social security, military spousal benefits, and even uh, the legal uh, drinking age. And I'm just reading, of course, this from an article on CBS News. Um, uh, Bill Clinton said this after he had appointed her to the Supreme Court in 1993. She is to the women's movement what former Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall was to the movement for the rights of African Americans, uh, said then-President Clinton uh, when he nominated her to fill uh, that seat vacated by... uh, Justice, former Justice uh, Byron White. And uh, one other little fact that I would like to point out on behalf of of the amazing uh, RBG um, was that um, by 1974, that women's rights project that she uh, founded with the ACLU uh, had participated in over uh, 300 uh, sex discrimination cases and uh, between 1969 and 1980, they participated in just about two-thirds of sex discrimination cases decided uh, by the Supreme Court. Uh, so yeah, she clearly had an enormous impact on equal rights in our country, and we're still fighting for that today. Um, and yeah, today, as much as we're we're happy to hear all the praise for Giannis and being a back-to-back MVP. We also mourn the loss of a a true hero. That is Ruth Bader uh, uh, Ginsburg. Uh, Rest in peace to the notorious RBG. 
And uh, I also recommend you check out uh, our, the movie RBG, of course, about her life. I, I know I would certainly like to watch that again myself. I may do so later on in the weekend. Well, I can't believe I sat here and talked by myself for uh, just just a, a little over an hour before editing. So thanks to everyone who has stuck with me so far and hope to make you all proud, keep you around. But without further ado, see you in another life, sis. Thank you for tuning in to Knuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.